What a great way to wake up. With a cup of logic, reason, and common sense. Welcome to the Independence Morning View. Let's get to it. Good morning to you wherever you are in the world. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined this morning by Bruce Adams. Good morning, Bruce. How are you this morning? Good morning. Healthy life. Doing well. Uh, looking forward to conversation uh, we're going to have later this afternoon. The guests we'll have on. Yeah, we're going to have a uh, special guest joining us today from uh, from Spain. It's a uh, personal friend of Marty's. And uh, it's it's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, we're just going to kind of let it uh, let it go and, and see where we go with it. Uh, but I, I have a feeling that and I'm told I, I've only briefly met met him and I'm told that it's very possible that there could be a differing of opinions and Oh, that's that's a good thing. I, I like the uh, I like the debate. I like the uh, I, I like the exchange of ideas. And so as and I think one of the things he was worried about in the initial stages was and I spoke to him, like I said, last night for just a very few minutes doing a sound check. And uh, I said, look, I said, you don't have to worry about a hostile environment. I mean, that's that's what he was concerned about more than anything else. Yeah. And and I can understand that. I mean, hell, you look at what's going on on TVs, you look at what's going on in, in radio and stuff and, and people just badger each other. And no one can actually talk about things. No one can can present your point and then and then get your uh, counterpoint to that, and then and then have the dialogue. And so I, I guess Marty and I kind of assured him uh, last night that uh, he doesn't have anything to uh, to worry about when it comes to uh, a hostile environment. You know, we're we're welcome to to hear the points, even yeah. if we don't agree. That's and that's what it's all about is is that right there, the dialogue. We need the dialogue. Someone has exactly. to be willing to sit down and open a dialogue. And that's what we started, was to have the free uh, the free flow exchange of ideas here. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what it's all about. That's the most important thing. Agree or not, it's important to uh, to talk it out. And so that's what we're going to do today. And anyway. as you said, it's, uh, it's difficult getting people with uh, different ideas or different views to come on the show because literally the examples we see, um, it's people fighting and bickering on TV. I mean, look at some of the... CNN stuff or Fox News or or how they have someone that comes on with a differing view, they just berate them and the hostility that's there, it's it's grating. I, I oh, so tiring. Um, but that that's not that's not what we want. We we want to be able to sit down and you know have that conversation. I I, I welcome uh, the the dissenting ideas and everything. I, I you know challenge our thoughts and everything or or conversations and and interact with that because you know there's something to be learned there is and to be fair to your point there about uh, when you have somebody on one of these mainstream networks they they do berate them i mean it turns into a name calling thing and and they turn into to ad hominem attacks where you're attacking the person personally rather than their ideas that they present and and that's not the way to have a debate that's not the way to have a discussion that's not the way to have dialogue if you're going to sit there and insult one person or the other i i have a lot of disagreements with with a lot of people when it comes to politics in certain aspects but i've never insulted someone personally and i never will someone has the right to have their their view on things and to have their opinion on things as long as they give me the same respect and and that's how it should be. That's how it should be. That's how we come to a compromise in society. And we can we can actually govern ourselves and, and govern our communities better is by that that dialectic right there. All right. This morning. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you have this morning? You got something this morning? We'll, we'll lead off with you. What do you got? 
Well, uh, honestly, the one that stuck out to me today, uh, my favorite governor just got shot down, uh, metaphorically speaking. Uh, the restrictions he wanted to put on uh, religious services, um, the Supreme Court shot it down. Are said, you talk- uh, nope. Are you talking about Andrew Cuomo? I am indeed talking about Andrew Cuomo. And he called the, uh, the state Supreme Court a bunch of fascists for uh, for refusing. Whoops, I left the uh, alerts on my phone. Uh, he called the state Supreme Court in New York a bunch of fascists because uh, they refused his his, <laughs> quite frankly, unconstitutional and illegal orders, I might add. Well, this was this was uh, Wednesday night. So it was the what, what 26th, I think. Uh, no, 25th. Um, this was the federal Supreme Court. So oh. Amy Coney Barrett ruled in oh. on this as well. This was, I thought it was one a, of the first I rulings. I thought it was in New York State Supreme Court. I I apologize. It was the it was the big court, the 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 highest court in the land. So uh, it was a five four decision. Um, the court said Cuomo's restrictions violated the Constitutional's First Amendment right to freedom of worship and granted an injunction barring the rules from being enforced. Roberts, wasn't it? Uh, Chief Justice Roberts uh, uh, cited in dissent with the court's liberal block. Uh-huh. Does anybody have any questions as to whether or not John Roberts is a Chief Justice, I mean, excuse me, Chief Justice John Roberts is indeed a uh, a conservative on the court? Does anybody have any questions at this point? They keep saying, because... He was supposedly supposed to be a conservative in the beginning. They keep saying, oh, he's a conservative. He's a conservative. Every single ruling that we see on here, the dude is not conservative. There's a few times he's sided with conservatives because it's benefited him or his legacy. But the dude is not conservative at all. He doesn't care about the Constitution. And you know, I'm I, trying to I don't figure know out. If- I'm trying to figure out the, f- the four that voted against it. I'm trying to figure out if, the, if any of them even do. Because it, in my opinion, that should have been nine nothing. That should have been a clean sweep all the way across the board. Um, so let's see, Neil Gorsuch, Gorsuch, he sided with the the majority. Yeah, I'm sure it was um, him. I'm sure Amy Coney Barrett, Alito, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Clarence Thomas, uh, and then don't tell me Kagan jump sides. She didn't, did she? I'm I'm trying to see if uh, they have how they voted this is the unfortunately the article doesn't say specifically who voted for what so i'll have to look into it yeah that's right i think it the the docket should be public we can pull it yeah so anyway basically this uh restriction more or less required churches to um heavily limit how many people were there or close completely um uh, for the foreseeable future because pandemic and all that some of the uh, opinions that were that were stated basically said we're not health officials you know we're not health experts but the constitution says you can't do this <laughs> so i don't know it, that that's kind of it's kind of the way it, it it should be is um this is this is what our constitution says this is what the law is this is the law of the land you can't do that so i don't know i i thought it was a a good uh, good ruling. Uh, that was one in the favor of freedom and, yeah. uh, you know, classic American ideas. Yeah. But you know how the media is probably spinning this. I don't even have to look at the headlines. They're probably saying uh, in a in a landslide victory, conservatives made a ruling at the Supreme Court. That That's how they'll play it. That's how they yeah. played it. It's not a landslide. If a landslide victory would be nine nothing, that's a landslide yeah. victory. Yeah, five four is even, not a landslide victory. Even even I, I would go so far as to say a six three is a landslide. Not even a seven two. No, it, well, I, I wouldn't even. I would say six three is. 
Because I mean that's that's like double. Six three oh. is is pretty well oh, landslide. Okay. I, I'll, I'll give him that. I'm sorry. I, I'm that, I'm no compromise when it comes to the constitution. You can call me, you can call it what you I, want, agreed. but I'm I'm no compromise. That's what I that's what really irritates me about the Supreme Court is they cherry pick. The yeah. Constitution doesn't cherry pick. It's black and white. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's straightforward. You're either yeah. for something or you're not when it comes to that document. Your job as a as a justice on the Supreme Court, your job, your only job is to know that document inside and out. That's it. And as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but as far as I know, you don't even have to be someone that has a law degree to sit on the Supreme Court. Um, well, I mean, that that's typically the tradition, yeah. Um, in fact, most of the ones on there had a law degree at, at a, from a certain university, but right. I don't think that's technically Well, that's because, that's it because it's become... I don't think so. That's because it's, it's, it's become just a, a standard. Yeah, it's become a thing where they go up through yeah. and they clerk and they do. A, yeah, yeah, it's whatever. But it's like the president of the United States. The president of the United States, as far as it goes, doesn't even have to have a high school diploma. Right. Uh, the only requirement is uh, natural born says natural born citizen and um, thirty five years of age. Yep, that's, that's it. it. So uh, just real quick, since this Supreme Court, I like to I, I, I point this one out every once in a while to the people that uh, around me after learning the preamble. The, the Supreme Court actually uses the preamble as a guide for the spirit of the Constitution. I, I just like to point out every one, once in a while that it says it, in the preamble, it's promote the general we- welfare. Just like to point out that you as the government do not get to dictate healthcare to us. You only get to promote, which means give us the facts, give us the information and get the hell out of our way as, as doctors and medical, you know. Uh, professionals, let them do the research and find out a cure, a vaccine, medication, whatever, and um, ensure that we, the people, have information on that. You know, Bruce, I, I can't help. I was laughing there for a second on mute, and you saw it. The, the reason I was laughing is because every time now, and especially the way you just said it, when someone says the spirit, I have Governor Gavin Newsom in my head with his yeah, with his uh, BS excuse now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm deeply deeply saddened that uh, that Governor Cuomo didn't get the ruling that he so desperately wanted, and it's clear who the authoritarians are in that uh, that particular uh, quandary there, isn't it? It's clear it's the Supreme Court. It's it's the conservatives on the Supreme Court. That it's clear who the who the authoritarians are here. It, clearly, it's the the four dissenting. Yes. The uh, speaking of uh, speaking of <laughs> speaking of COVID, uh, Sean Connery cause of death has been released. Uh, and a, a lot of people are are speculating that it was going to be COVID. Well, it was listed, the cause of death on the death certificate is listed as pneumonia, heart problems, and old age. Now, if you want to equate that to COVID, I mean, I'm sure you could. It fits all of the criteria. But um, unfortunately, that's um, that's all that was released. So I don't think that, um, I, I don't think you're going to get your, uh, your extra COVID death there. Sorry. Mm-mm. No. The, uh, the El Paso mayor... Uh, El Paso, Texas. The uh, the mayor says a recent COVID spike is due to fatigue and many cases, right? Many cases. You remember we talked yesterday about the uh, the percentages. They're going to start knocking down the percentages of stores now. Yeah. What was that? Uh, part of the frame on my mount for my camera pops off every once in a while. So I got to fix that. Interesting. I apologize. That, it, 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 that I have your, little weird quirk, the microphone falling over randomly. Your microphone falls over. Your your uh, your green screen light went out. <laughs> yeah. You got more technical problems over there, but yet you still sound yeah. as good as you do. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that that's the main thing that 
we need to yeah have continued sound quality it doesn't really matter about the rest of it but yeah sound quality is still there yeah uh but yes okay so guess what now they're going to start knocking down those retailers because well those cases are just out of control and they're going to have to bring those numbers down so the mayor of a texas city that is hit hard by a recent spike. It's devastating down there. Absolutely devastating. Uh, they say that the blame can be pointed at COVID fatigue. This is a new one, right? Yesterday we did Christmas with COVID, right? This is COVID fatigue now. And many cases are coming from shopping at large retailers. Oh yeah. Did you retail companies think that you were going to get off of this thing scot-free? No, 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 no. But see, this might be a uh, might be a case to, to push a uh, mandatory vaccine to go into those stores, huh? Yeah. Might, might be along those lines, possibly. El Paso made headlines earlier this month after it hired mobile morgues and paid inmates to carry the bodies out of those, who, for the, of those who had died of the virus. I don't recall seeing any of that, do you? Usually mm-hmm. you, would, you would think that if there was some kind of spike like that and people were dropping like flies, I mean, the media would be all over that. You'd be seeing headlines everywhere. Now, this is a quote from Dr. Burks. You remember her, the scarf lady? Yeah, you remember her? Yes. <laughs> she says, I think, your mask. Yes, yes. She says, I think people just, and then she pauses, and then she says, the consensus, the consensus here, the consensus, is people just had COVID fatigue and they let down. You've got to wear the mask. You've got to maintain the distancing. You've got to avoid crowds. She said that on uh, CBS's Face the Nation. I'm sorry, that wasn't Burks. I, I'm sorry, that wasn't Burks. Uh, that was uh, Mayor DeMargo uh, told CBS on uh, CBS's Face the Nation. Uh, the mayor also mentioned what contact tracers have been finding in regards as to how residents are catching the virus. Are they dying from the virus or are they just catching it? We did a deep dive. This is a quote. We did a deep dive in our contact tracing for the week of November the 10th through the 16th. And fa- which what's the time on the the data? Is it two weeks? So, yeah, it's, it's about the right time. And we found that 55 percent of the positives were coming from shopping at large retailers. Huh. Funny how that happens, isn't it? And what we'd term as the, quote, big box stores wasn't that big of a problem the first time around, was it? No. Wasn't that big of a deal? And you would ar- you could argue at that time that uh, it was a lot uh, was a lot more virulent than what it is now. There's a bit of a problem though with El Paso. That's for those that aren't aware. That city is right on the border of Mexico. Uh huh. And Mexico was having a really hard time with uh, the virus. Mm-hmm. And El Paso kind of has. Um, Let's just say the, the the populace kind of intermingles right there. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's usually how they do things. Uh, mm-hmm. say, they, they say that um, these are uh, these these large retailers. They're considered essential um, under Homeland Security, of course. And we we don't really have. And they say then he pauses for or, yeah. Then uh, then he pauses for a second and says uh, we we really don't have. Or I, I'm sorry, I don't really have any. Control over any limitations there. So True. see, they don't they don't have enough control, right? The the government doesn't have enough control. You see, that's that's what it is. And you know, we talked before about um, we talked before about driverless cars, right? Before we started recording, we said uh, we said driverless cars. I said, do you think if they actually had the ability to to turn your car on and off, do you think they would allow you to travel right now? No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. You wouldn't be going anywhere right now. This is also the mayor of El Paso. Right now, the hospital, these are hospital numbers, right? I love it when they do these because we know what they're doing with hospital numbers. The latest numbers I have on our hospitals is we are at 79% of our hospitalization capacity, which gives us 21%. I'm glad he did the, the math here for us, which gives us 21% excess of which we didn't have. We haven't had in some time. That's lower than the average. It is. 
if you look at the numbers of the hospitals right now, and we've pulled these numbers, you can any these are public numbers. You can go pull these, pull the ICU numbers of of the local hospital in your area, wherever you're at. You can do this and look at how many beds they have available. It's the same as it was 12 months ago, the same as it was 24 months ago. We're in a flu season in the middle of flu season. Ninety five percent capacity. Ninety, ninety five percent is what we typically see. Typically, it's high in the in the middle of, of this. So the fact that he's at 79%, that's pretty good, especially with the location of uh, the city. Um, the, we, we talked about this before. We have uh, camps, if you will, or, or uh, uh, medical stations that are set up to treat illegal immigrants coming across the border uh, that have COVID. And when they, they require hospitalization, they get taken to a hospital a local hospital on our side of the border, right, in the U.S., and we treat them. And those patients are considered COVID patients, even though they're not from our country. And it's just... Okay, let's uh, let's end on this one. This this is pretty good. Uh, Bruce, are you looking for a job? Depends on how things continue. I'll put it that way. Well... I mean, this is a this is an interesting. I mean, there's a job here, and it pays a lot of money, uh, and it's I mean, it's good, promising career for for anyone that might be looking to do any kind of work. I mean, in this particular field, Harvard University is currently advertising, and they have a, a job listing up there for an anti-racist librarian. So, a racist librarian? Well, no, it's an anti-racist li- librarian. That's that's what they say, right? A, a, a racist librarian, right? Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, they they say that they're looking for an associate university librarian for anti-racism. That's the actual job listing. Advert. Interesting. Yes. Um, and what are the requirements for being anti-racist? Well, um, I'm not sure yet, but uh, they say if if you're if you're a librarian right now, okay, if you're if you're a librarian and you're looking to to make a career move or or a lateral shift in, in this, you're not going to believe how much they're paying for this. You might not make much money if you're a librarian now, right? They don't really get, they don't get paid that much. But if you're an anti-racist librarian, there is a bathtub of money waiting for you. So, uh, for those that are wanting to really clean up courtesy and, uh, excuse me, clean up courtesy of some colossal cash, Harvard's recent job listing, uh, is, is, uh, being, uh, yeah, they're, they're putting out an, uh, a call for an associate university librarian for anti-racism. The annual salary grade is listed at 061. Now you might ask how much is that, right? In, in layman's terms, how much is that? Uh, starting, right? Starting at the low end of, uh, salary grade 061 annually, $133,300. And depending, I guess, on how much of an actual anti-racist you might be, they're willing to go as high as $240,300 a year. I, I, I still want to know what, what, what they consider anti-racist. Money aside, well, it might actually go further than that. Uh, Harvard want uh, Harvard's um, want ad was uh, was published on November fifth, uh, and again in uh, uh, and, and in September prior to that, uh, the Ivy League school uh, Harvard they announced that they wanted a new library anti racism team. So I mean they they're looking to expand on that. So they could build the team, and then of course I'm sure that this librarian would be part of that team. So the team, uh, listen to this, the team consists of two people, uh, and then you're going to have, let me see, you'd have uh, Harvard libraries, for instance, uh, you're going to have a, uh, you're going to have an anti-racist librarian, and then you're going, an archivist, and then you're going to have a senior human resources diversity consultant, uh, and title nine coordinator. That's what their official 
team is is going to be. Uh, their role, well, excuse me, the anti-racist librarian's uh, role consists of engaging subject experts across the university to identify and share anti-black racism resources across all types of Harvard library collections, especially okay. those that can be shared within and beyond Harvard. So basically, this is playing on the idea of whiteness and how you're racist because you're white. So they're wanting to combat that. And the only way to combat whiteness is to become racist yourself to try to identify things that are white so that you can demean them for being white. Well, the the ad itself, the, the classified ad itself, explains exactly what the, the role of this new librarian will be. And and that is that this and I'm just quoting here. Uh, this is Harvard University's anti-racist librarian job description. Identify and pursue opportunities for the library to support education, reconciliation, restoration, and cultural transformation with regard to bias and discrimination against any group or people, including racism in all its forms. Now, to understand what that means, CNN kind of gave a crash course on what it means to be an anti-racist. And I think after you hear what what they say, I mean, it sums it up pretty well, I think. Being anti-racist means more than ridding yourself of racist attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors. It means you're also actively fighting the that reprehensible trinity as it manifests in your life on a daily basis. And it continues. Some white people know that to become anti-racist, they must start to listen and brush up on the history of racism in their countries. D- do you hear this? Do you hear how sick these people are? The, these these people right here, the, you want to talk about racism? These people are the racist. These right here, ones that talk like this. Some people mm, that's are ironic. Describing- that's ironic coming from someone that doesn't identify their whiteness and is racist themselves. Yeah, right. Some people are describing obviously racist behavior as the tip of the iceberg, calling people racist names or threatening people on the basis of race. Uh, now, again, I'm getting this from CNN. This is what they say. Uh, this is put forth by uh, uh, psychologist Beverly Tatum. And I'm sure you're looking that one up. Then there's part of the iceberg that's not easily visible to the people. Yeah, 90% of it. Uh, if they're not looking. You can find anything if you look for it. Of course you can. You can. God, that's so stupid. Anyway, now see, Sorry. Now see, listen to how psychotic these people are. I'm doing this because it's just funny to sit here and listen to these idiots like this. This includes a range of subtle but insidious attitudes, behaviors, and policies. Among these are microaggressions. Oh, I'm sure you've heard that term before. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. It's been so long they, since we heard that. <laughs> you're right. They are brief and commonplace verbal behavior or environmental indignities, according to psychologist Beverly yeah, Tatum. What I just course. did there is a microaggression, by the way. Yes. Yes. My, my microaggressions, microaggressions can be intentional, unintentional, or even well-meaning, but they communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative racial assumptions to the receiver, and they have an insidious effect on a black person's psyche and continuing racist Wait, assumptions. When did microaggressions become racist? Uh, well, uh, apparently, they've always been. We just didn't know it until now, until the, the good oh. doctor here decided to, to uh, right. bring it into, into context for microaggressions before was you messing up their vibe. Right. Well, I mean, I also learned just the other day that, that drinking coffee now is, is racist. 
Well, having an education is racist. Yes, it is. It is. And, and to be whiteness. honest with you, yeah, you, sh you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have an education. You, uh -huh. you don't need it. You don't need it. Uh -huh. do, you, do you hear all this lunacy, right? I mean, I, I, I'm quoting these people. I'm quoting them. This isn't my opinion. I'm quoting these idiots. The, these uh, are hey. the people that, that are destroying this, this society that we live in. This kind of garbage right here. Voting is racist. I mean, clearly it's brought on by white colonials. So the asking I for mean, ID is racist when I, you vote. That's racist too. Yeah. Which, by the way, voting is racist as well. Which, by the way, on a side note, Alex just sent me a photo over. And he says, this is, he's, he's, he's doing Apple pickup, which is, uh, yeah, you do the, you know, you register and you pick up a package. This is what they say. He screenshot his thing with, uh, with Apple wallet here so I could see uh, what Apple sent him. And I, I will tell you his, cause he's not here. And I will tell you his, um, his response to this. This is the Apple. This is a screenshot from Apple. It says pickup instructions. OK, so they sent this over to him as instructions to pick up a package for him. Number one, bring your valid government issued photo ID. OK, this is to pick up a package. OK, number two, when you arrive during your designated check in window, look for the Red Express pickup signs to join the line. Number three, when it's your turn, show this QR code to a specialist to pick up your product so they can just there's a QR code here. You can just scan it and yeah, they know exactly where to go for convenience and quicker check in. Add this information to your Apple wallet or iOS device. Right now, his response to that was Apple pickup is more secured than the election of the most powerful nation on Earth with an ID or a QR code matching. That's his argument to that. And I completely agree with it. I completely agree with yeah. that. In fact, um, I've seen uh, experts looking at the IR codes that some of our election systems um, used, some of these uh, uh, machines. He cracked the code rather quickly, actually. And when you just look at the code itself, you can see the pattern of different QR codes. You can see the pattern that's um, uniform for each one. So it, it, if you can pick it up as a human, it's going to be easy to pick it up in, in a, you know, um, a software uh, scenario, you know, and, and that level of thing. So, yeah. yeah. All right. We are going to have to go because we're out of time this morning, but uh, thank you for sitting down this morning, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. For all these topics more, please check us out later on this afternoon. It would be an interesting conversation, and I hope everyone has a great morning.